Welcome to Required Listening. I'm your host, Scott Goldman, Executive Director of the Grammy Museum. Each week in the Clive Davis Theater, I have the opportunity to speak to artists from across the musical spectrum about their careers, their struggles, their inspiration, and their creative process. Now, with Required Listening, I'm thrilled to share these remarkable interviews with you. On today's episode, my conversation with Grammy-winning Best New Artist, Alessia Cara. The Canadian singer and songwriter began her journey by putting up unique covers on YouTube in 2011. Those clips ultimately helped land a major label recording contract. As a shy high school student, she started putting up the YouTube videos as a means to avoid having to actually perform in front of anyone. It's quite an art going from performing covers in your bedroom by yourself to performing on the stage at the Glastonbury Festival in front of 50,000 people. She was wonderfully open and aware of where she is as a young songwriter and how much she has to learn as an artist. So let's go to the Clive Davis Theater and listen to my conversation with Alessia Cara. So our guest tonight began uploading covers, and you know this, to YouTube long before she considered a career in music. She was spotted by a music company executive and encouraged to write her own material and her first original song here. How many people know that song? Songs on her EP, Four Pink Walls, displayed a rare talent for creating compelling songs of depth and insight. She's here tonight following the release last year of her debut LP entitled Know It All and an opening slot on Coldplay's 2016 World Tour. Give it up for Alessia Cara. Hello. Thanks for being here. Hi. Hi. Hello. Thank you for, for having us. Oh, but thank you for being here. Cupcakes and all. I know. I, I just had one. I had to put it away because yeah. yeah. my hands are all, you know, dirty. Well, you're, you're going to be experiencing a sugar rush here. Uh, I know. It's going to provide soon. a lot of energy. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. So I talked in, um, I, I mentioned in the open, you just spent some time opening for uh, Coldplay. Yes. That's sort of a different experience given that yeah. you know, these are big venues. Those guys don't exactly play small clubs. No, anymore. not anymore. <laughs> so talk a little bit about the challenge of trying to fill up a big room like that. Um, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty small person, I would say. I mean, I'm like only 5'2", so uh -huh. it is kind of challenging to, you know. <laughs> yeah, what? that's not funny. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, yeah, so I think it is kind of challenging to, like, you know, grasp the attention of thousands and thousands of people, especially because yeah. I had never done that before. And when you're an opening slot, that's even harder. Or when you have an opening slot, excuse me, that's a lot harder because, you know, oftentimes you just think, like, everyone's just like, all right, let's get to the real stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, really. who is this person? Yeah. But you know what? Everyone was actually very receptive in a, in a great way. And their whole audience, like, every, every place we went to, like, from Europe to the U.S., it seemed like everyone was, you know, very, right. fairly nice, and uh, you know they really embraced us and, and the music, and it was really nice to see that mm -hmm. it was a mature audience, but very nice. Yeah, mature. I like the way you said that. Mature. Mature. Audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Read old. <laughs> not true. <laughs> um, uh, it's all right. Uh, not so old. Not I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the you know if the boys in Coldplay gave you any advice. They give. They they give you any tips about playing a you know a big venue. Um, well, I mean, the first day I did tell them that I was nervous and Chris Martin basically said the, the crowd always gives you what you give them. So if you give them all your energy and all your love and you try to connect with them as much as possible, then usually they'll give that back to you. So mm. it's like a conversation. You know? Yeah. 
And, you know, most, most times when you play bigger rooms, you know, artists are advised, you know, sing to the back of the hall, pick out somebody in the back of the room and, you know, kind of sing to them. Is that something that you tried to do? Was, did you have a strategy? Um, I mean, honestly, not, not really. I, I try, even though it's really hard for me to, to not be conscious of things, because every time I perform, I'm always thinking and being conscious of everything around me. But I think that the best way to do it is to really just kind of get lost in what you're singing and, yeah. and just really, like Chris said, just kind of give everything you have mm -hmm. to the audience and just really try to, you know, put forth the message that you're trying to put out. So whether it was, I was singing Scars or whatever song it was, just really try to get that out there so they can leave that room with, with something. You said you're 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 kind of aware of everything as as you're performing. Mm. What are you aware of? What 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 are you trying to focus on? Are you trying to you know, focus on performance, pitch, song, emotion? Um, I mean, it's a bit of everything, honestly. I'm I'm like everywhere because, of course, part of me wants to make sure that I'm singing all the the things right and all the lyrics yeah. right and getting the pitch right. But then another part of me wants to connect, and then another part of me is like noticing the cool shirt that the person's wearing on this side, and then it's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just constantly thinking so much. I'm constantly always thinking, but I, I really try as much as possible to to only think about what I'm putting out there and what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but of course it's hard sometimes because you want to give a good performance. You played an iconic festival in the UK, Glastonbury. Yes, yeah. Which is you know, maybe the Mac Daddy of all festivals. Yeah. <laughs> tell us tell us about that experience. That was awesome. I mean, of course, that's like, you know, I'm sure many artists can say the same thing. That that's one of the, the goals for sure. Um, and the UK is such a prestigious place, especially for for music and stuff like that. So it was it was really awesome. And there were so many other great acts there. And it just felt really cool to, to be a part of that. And I was really shocked at the amount of people that actually came out hmm. and were singing along. And it was really it was crazy. I had the Wellington boots on. Apparently, nice. we're supposed to yeah, have Yeah, well, them. that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. so it gets had, muddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. it, was, it was so muddy and rainy. Any, but it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I couldn't like have I, I couldn't have worn those. That would have been I, I would have messed them up. Well, I mean, so I did definitely yeah. did, and they were taller than me too. They were like up to here. <laughs> they looked like knee high or like thigh high boots. Huh. Me. So I've done a little, you know, kind of reading a little bit about your backstory, and and it comes out kind of repeatedly that that early on, certainly as you were, you know, perhaps learning how to play guitar and covering some songs, maybe in your bedroom, that you're kind of shy. Yeah, I mean, I definitely was a lot more than I am now. I still sometimes am, but I mean, definitely growing up, yeah. it was a lot harder for me to, you know, share my ideas and be creative and even just sing in front of my own parents. Like yeah. I was, I was very, very shy and I protected that side of me a lot. Um, and I'm not really sure why. I think maybe it was just, it was just the fear of not being good enough or failing or just, you know, when something's that precious to you, it's always really scary to give it away and to just lay it all out there. Mm. Um, but I think I, I'm hopefully a lot better than I was. And I mean, I, I performed many places now and I think yeah. it's a lot easier to do that because I've seen the, Thankfully, the, the positive reaction I've received, and so now I know that it's not that scary anymore. It's, it's in fact, a really great, powerful thing to be able to do that, so I'm lucky. Mm. And I, I'm wondering, though, what what was it that possessed you to start putting covers up on YouTube? You know, especially given that you were 
you know, kind of shy. Yeah, well, you know, I think that's that's actually the reason why I did it because I could not sing in front of a group of people in real life. And so I, I thought, you know, if I if this is a dream of mine, how am I going to overcome this fear of singing for an audience? So I thought the closest thing to singing for an audience was doing it in a way that I didn't have to actually be in front of them. And so I thought, YouTube, you know, use my resources as a millennial. I have this great thing called the internet um, <laughs> that I could use. Um, I, I don't know what that is, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think it, just at this day and age, we we have all this this great stuff, and we don't always have to be in front of an audience to get our voices out there. So I thought this is a cool way to cheat my way into it. I don't have to sing in front of you, but you can still hear my voice, and I can be in the comfort of my own closet because that's where I would record yeah. all my covers in yeah. my closet. Yeah. Yeah. So so you you did get um you know kind of discovered from a YouTube video. What was the song that seemed to have attracted the interest of this? production company that ultimately contacted you? Um, it was actually this cover that I did of a song called Sweater Weather by The Neighborhood, this band mm -hmm. called The Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even remember how I heard it. I just really loved the song and I didn't really think anything would become of it, honestly, of my cover. I mean, not of the song, of course. Um, but I just I just decided to cover it one day. I loved it and I learned how to play it on guitar. And at this point, I wasn't really getting many views on my videos. So I definitely didn't expect, you know, to, to make it out of the pool of millions of kids that are posting covers mm -hmm. online every day. But yeah, this production company uh, label, EP Entertainment, to, uh, well, Rob, who's here today, um, he, uh, well, this girl, actually, this a from this production company was, you know, surfing the web, finding talent, I guess, and she yeah. came across my video, and uh, they took me in, took me under yeah. their wing, and they decided to just help me out, and here we are. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll get to that. I want to get to that in a minute, but I'm wondering, you know, you, you're talking about Sweater Weather, and, and, mm -hmm. and for some reason, you, you like that song. What is it about a song that attracts you? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's always, always different. Um I, I think I love, I, I'm a lyric person, so I love listening to lyrics mm -hmm. first. And mm -hmm. if, if the lyrics are, whether they're ambiguous to the point where you can kind of create your own meaning or if they're really visual or just really great, clever lyrics. I, I'm a big lyric person, but then of course, you know, you can't ever run away from a good earworm melody. Um, yeah. Yeah. So these guys get a hold of you, mm -hmm. um, or girls as the case may be. Girls uh, and guys, yeah. Girls and guys. <laughs> when they did, did you think it was legit? Um, not really. I mean, at this point, I was only sixteen. Well, well, I mean, that's part of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and of course, when you're when you're that, you know, you're. I'm from Brampton, Ontario, Canada. No one even knows where that is, and it, like, if you're not from there, obviously. And you know, when you get a, a tweet from a person you've never met before that just says, "Hey, like, I would like to get in contact with you to discuss like music." I forget what the exact thing was but like to discuss like music or something like that and I was like okay this could be spam this could be someone that's trying to kidnap me I don't know what's going on so of course I did you know the safe thing to do kids and I told my dad and I said dad <laughs> can you please just talk to check these this people? out yeah check this out talk to these people so I, I told them I was like okay I'm gonna have my dad talk to you but can you give us a number to contact because I don't want to give away personal information again smart thing to do kids don't give away personal information um long story short my dad just agreed to it for some reason. I don't know because I never thought he would do that, but he did, and uh, he got on the phone. Whoa, 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 back up here. Sorry. So, so yeah. why, why did you think he would not do that? Oh, well, because uh, I come from a traditional Italian family, and so doing music in 
and, and doing that kind of thing. And in my family, straying away from the typical construction worker, hairdresser thing is not really. <laughs> <laughs> my fam literally 90% of my family is hairdressers and like the other 10% is, is construction. I'm not kidding. This is not like a stereotypical thing. Genuinely, from my family is like this. So, you know, when I said, hey, I want to, you know, not go to school and do music, that's not, you know, the thing that a, that cool. a typical Italian dad wants to hear. So I just didn't think that, you know, they'd be up for it. And um, he, he was. He was down to at least take the call. And so we went to New York. Uh, we just picked picked up like a week later, went to New York, sang for these people that we had never met. And my dad gave them the lecture, like, don't waste our time. We're hardworking people. If you're serious, you're serious. But yeah, he gave them the, the lecture. But they, they were like, no, we're serious. We believe in her. We want you to, you know, we want to work with you. And we were, they didn't tie us down to anything. They just yeah. kind of so, uh, so, 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 I'm interested in this audition. Yeah. Um, is it, what did you sing for them? Um, what did I sing? I think I sang "Mirrors" by Justin Timberlake. I think huh. I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know where uh, Rob is. I'm sure he could like, tell you. Like in a conference room somewhere? Yeah, they took us to like this office. It was like an office in the Universal Building in New York, and I was like, okay, I'd never been to anything like that. And they just said, well, all right. You want to sing, you got, Chris? <laughs> you know, this, this is the thing I love about the music business, and you hear this, you know, repeated often. And it's a classic story about young artists and and, mm. and producers or record labels bring them in, and and they put them in the worst possible like setting. And it's yeah. like, okay, now <laughs> now impress us. Here you are sitting in some conference room with fluorescent lights and no sound. Yeah, and it's like you know, blow us away. But you know what? I think the thing about that is, if you can blow people away with just your voice, I think that's what makes you. Um, I guess in their eyes, good enough or not good enough. I don't want to say good enough, but that's what makes you special. And, you know, I think that's when people see when you really have something is when you're able to, you know, whether it's move people or just impress people or just show people your talent without yeah. all the lights and the yeah. fancy mics and sounds. And, um, yeah. When you're well, I, you know, setting. I think I also think about and, and I'm sure you saw this film because I know this person is a hero to you. The film about Amy Winehouse. Yes. And there, there's a part there I recall where she's literally in an office or somewhere and she's just playing guitar and it's not the best setting in the world and you're just blown away by what this yeah. person is doing. Yeah, it, it was amazing. And I've seen that movie so many times now. Uh -huh. it, it's true. Like when you're able to do that, um, I think that's why one of the reasons why I look up to her so much and why yeah. I look up to the people I look up to in the music world because they're able to do that without anything else. They could just sit there and just sing for you and still mm -hmm. move you with no music, no anything. And that's that's something really special to be able to do that. Mm. And so that's what I've always strived for. And um, I think that just comes from honest passion and loving what you do and just and just really giving everything. And you could yeah. tell with her in particular, she always did that with every song she ever sang. It was yeah. always... She was really singing it, you know? She was never just like doing it. So it comes to pass, you, you sign up with these guys and girls, um, <laughs> and they ultimately set you up with Sebastian Cole. Yes. Did you have any sense of who that was when you like walked into the room with him? No, no, I didn't. Um, I actually, I, I went to one of his shows. Uh, he was playing at this, I think it was, a, I don't know if it was like a little club or a little bar, um, just to get a sense of what his music style was and who he was. And I was actually blown away by his performance. He was hmm. amazing. He played these amazing songs on piano. It was just an all acoustic piano performance. And so I, I already became like a fan. I was like, this is cool. I get to, he has to teach me how to make songs and I get to work with him. So 
we met right after his performance, and I was like, hey, sang for him, and I just said, um, I think, you know, they're setting us up on a blind writing date, so, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. So tell me about the blind writing date. How, yeah. <laughs> how, how did that work? What did you say when you walked in? Um, well, the first thing he said to me was, he, he took me outside of the studio, and he's like, what's your story? <laughs> and again, me being, at this point, 17, I was like, what is my story? I, I don't know. <laughs> so I told him, I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm in the process of, of, of making that story. And he's like, cool. So then we came up. The first, yeah, that huh. was literally it. And then so we went into the room. He sat at a piano and we started, I just started talking to him about that concept, about not really sure, not being sure who you are yet and kind of creating your own story. And we came up with a song. It was called Only Human. That was the first song we ever made. Hmm. Um, and that's from that point on, that's how we started writing every single song. It was just me telling him something and we would just keep talking until a song was made. You know, he, and he's been quoted as saying that at first, and maybe as time went on, this changed, but at first he had to get the songs out of you yeah what did he mean by that um well i guess you know touching back with how i was really shy um you know you could imagine a, a young girl just kind of meeting a person for the first time and having to just share all of her thoughts and feelings and song ideas and creative ideas mm. with this person i've never i'd never met and so i mean i wish i had talked a bit more now going, looking back i just wish i opened up a bit more um but in I the think, process yeah, yeah in the process yeah. Yeah, yeah looking back now but i mean he definitely did have to like literally pull things out of me sometimes hmm. not literally why am i saying literally pull things nothing like that but he had to like he had to pull things out of me to like you know really another, get another caution songs. to young artists don't let producers yeah pull don't let anyone pull anything yeah, yeah nothing out of yeah, it's not a magic no, trick that's yeah don't you won't get any good songs out of that maybe a lawsuit but no good songs um so <laughs> um yeah he had to you know like just get these songs out of me because i was so shy and I, you know he would just be like what'd you do today like nothing and I just wouldn't say anything because I was yeah. so shy. So he would have to ask me questions, kind of like therapy for me to open up. Got it. But then by the end, I, I was good. And I mean, now yeah. it's like every time we talk, it's always like free. But You're blabbing now. Now, I'm, now I talk too much. Blabbing. You can tell by now. Yeah. See, I just... You're pretty good at it. Actually. Thank you. Yeah. I'm good at talking a lot. Yeah. 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 Good Thanks. talker. So I also read that as you're making this record, you were like sneaking off from school. Yeah. To go to these recording sessions. Yes. Not telling anybody. Not telling anybody. If it were me and I was your age, I would have been blabbing to everybody in, in, in creation that, yeah, I'm going off to make a record. And <laughs> yeah. you didn't do that. Why? I didn't. I didn't do that for a couple reasons. I, I think, you know, me, I think I was the type of student in high school. I just wanted to remain anonymous. I just wanted to get it over with, to be honest. And I knew, especially in my school, it was kind of a small school. And word would get around and I just didn't want to be known as that girl who was like the music freak who would go you know and record songs after school like I just didn't want people to know that side and also I think you know again I didn't know what was going to become of it and I didn't want to just start saying like hey I'm going to make an album and get signed and then nothing happened so just a couple of different reasons I, I just wanted to keep that side private yeah so I, I know you said only human was was the first song you guys wrote but yeah. here was pretty early on, am I right? Yeah, it was like the fourth, fourth, yeah, yeah if I'm not mistaken, yeah. third or fourth. So tell me a little bit about that. What was what was Sebastian's reaction to that song? So after we were finished, you yeah, mean? we were all just kind of like, this is pretty cool. I, I think all of us were kind of feeling the same thing, but none of us wanted to be the one to say like we have. The, the the song so we were it's all just a, like this is hit. good it's yeah we hit. didn't want to say that so right. i think we were all just like 
this is this is good and I was like yeah this is cool <laughs> but I think all of us were just kind of like you know and then every once in a while we would as we were making the album he would kind of say to me like I don't think you know what's happening here and I'm like I think I know but I don't know but so it was always like an unspoken <laughs> thing but we all I think had that mutual feeling of like we have we have something here this is this is the one well at least I felt that way mm -hmm. listening to your songs uh particularly you know here but but others there's this sense of um, alienation mm. is a, a way that's it's been described. Is that something that you've experienced? Yeah, actually, definitely. Um, and I think a lot of it, weirdly enough, has it, it kind of came from me. And I think I would do it to myself a lot of the time. Um, I would separate myself from everyone in certain situations, and I would just often find myself alienated because of just me. I guess removing myself from the world that was high school or the world yeah. that was school or with other people and i don't know i mean of course it was inflicted by other people but i definitely did a lot of that alienation yeah. to myself i mean the, the song here it, you know has been called uh, and this is not my words a loner anthem yeah <laughs> and, yeah you know which i mean that sounds kind of catchy to a certain degree but i'm wondering what do you think about that when you hear you know someone uh, you know a critic or otherwise who sort of boil down your hard work into this two-word catchphrase loner anthem, yeah. loner anthem. i think, think i think that just comes from them having to put artists in, in a box mm. i think that's just what you do you know especially when you have a new artist you're like okay where can we put her we can't put her with the divas let's put her with the weird awkward kids because it's so weird because i, I feel like a lot of people in the industry whether it's in the media or just in the industry itself they have a, a hard time just saying that alessia is just alessia and she doesn't have to be in a box she can be in the category of alessia and this person can be in that mm -hmm. category mm -hmm. like people don't they have a very hard time processing what that means and so because of this, they just have like three or four boxes and they just put everyone in this space. And that's what it is. But I mean, I guess if you look at it in a positive way, I guess, you know, if it is helping all the people who feel like loners, then I'm a loner. I wrote a loner anthem. I'm good. Smashing. Moving on. We're, we're all loners. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, you got to look at it yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. But I think that just comes from them not knowing where to put me, which it, is weird. But I, I mean, you were all concerned that, that it kind of paints a one-sided picture of you, that... that I mean, you are, you know, as an artist, much more than a loner anthem. Yeah. Sometimes you just wish, you know, maybe they would have used a different word. Or maybe you just wish yeah. they didn't have to describe it at all. Like, here's a song. Interpret it how you will. But again, people have a very hard time just processing that. They need to see something quick so they know where to put it in their brains. And yeah. I'm cool with that. I, I was a bit of a loner anyway, so it's fine. So in, in the song, you describe yourself as an antisocial pessimist. Yes. <laughs> but now, I mean, if you kind of consider what's, you know, what's been going on with your career, things are moving along, I'd say, fairly nicely. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you've become a little more optimistic. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I think, you know, you realize that many things are possible through doing this and having the blessings that I've had. But um, I, I think it, that phrase, in the context of the song, I'm kind of just basically saying, like, I'm sorry if I seem like one right now but I'm not. I'm just really uncomfortable is basically mm. what I'm saying. So I don't really think I was ever an antisocial pessimist. Uh, I just think I, I'm saying that in the song, like I, I just, I'm sorry if I seem like one right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the song does set up a, you know, a very real life situation that, yeah. that many people I'm sure have experienced. It, it, talk about, is, is that important to you in terms of writing songs that, that are relatable, relatable to your audience? 
Um, I mean, yeah, when we were making the album, because I had never really released any music at this point, I didn't really know how quick people relate to things. And so I wasn't really conscious of it. I just knew that I wanted to make music that was honest to me. But then I realized pretty quickly after releasing, even just here, how, you know, if you make something that's honest to you, it's bound to relate to somebody because mm. we all... Um, whether we realize it or not, we all like live very similar stories and we all have similar struggles or similar things we deal with. So feelings and honest feelings are very much universal ones. And so as much as I'm conscious of making things relatable now, I know that they're bound to be relatable when they're honest and when they're real. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they become non-relatable when you're, or unrelatable when you're making stuff up and you know, trying to seem a lot cooler than you actually yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so you know, here was 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 about maybe not necessarily belonging. And then there's a track, "Wild Things," that seems to almost be the opposite. Yeah, of, like the continuation. Of, of yeah, yeah, or yeah, that or, was the intention. You know, part you know, part B, or you mm -hmm. know, whatever. So that was intentional on your part to kind of paint the other side of the. A coin. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I think here was basically saying, like, you know, I, I don't really belong here. And then Wild Things was saying, but I don't have to belong anywhere. And this is where I belong. It's, mm. it's in a place in the back of my mind that I created. And it's cool. And I love it here. And I just, you know, the title is Where the Wild Things Are. But that's just the place that, you know, that non-existent place in our subconscious that I just thought should have a name. But that's where I think we, we all kind of go to when we feel like we're uncomfortable in certain places or when we feel like we don't belong we should just know that we can all create this special safe place within ourselves that we can feel comfortable in and that doesn't necessarily have to be with other people hmm. it doesn't have to be a real place that actually exists because it exists as long as we believe it does yeah. yeah yeah there's another track on the record and and this i was very interested in scars to your body to your beautiful yeah. to your beautiful sorry my bad <laughs> Scars to your beautiful. I have it written down good. here, and That's I okay. mispronounced. That's all good. Um, I've heard but, so many titles. <laughs> but very much about you know body image, um, and perception of women. Yes. Um, yeah. And why why was it important for you to write about that? I think, you know, especially nowadays. Well, I think well, girls have been dealing with this all the time, but mm -hmm. I, or since forever. But I think nowadays, especially with the media and with all these new standards that have been placed on us, girls are, are coming to the point where a lot of us can't even look in the mirror some days or any day without feeling like we need to look like someone else or look like something else. And we just, you know, I know personally for me, and I know a lot of us, no matter how confident we all are, we can't even like look at pictures of ourselves or, you know, go outside without just being so conscious of how we look all the time and just saying, I wish I looked like this person or I hate this about myself. I hate that. And it's so, it's so bad. And I think it just comes from us being brainwashed and being just told this on a daily basis that we have to squeeze ourselves into this unrealistic mold. And if we don't, then we're just not beautiful and we're just categorized as, you know, average or not good enough or whatever it is. And I think that's really sad. And I think we should all have the right to feel 100% beautiful and 100% confident um, without pleasing anybody because we're not here for anybody else. Um, we're here for ourselves. And I think so many women, all women, are way greater than how we look. And we're capable of so much more than that. And that's what this song is about. And of course, men, I'm sure, can relate to it as well. But it's just for anybody who doesn't feel, I know, I'm sure some of you guys want to be buff and cool and some of you think you're not, but you don't have to be. It's cool. Um, yeah, so I just wanted, thank you. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm feeling better about myself now. Uh, <laughs> I said you don't have to, yeah. 
There's this whole um, kind of thematic idea of conscious pop music. Yeah. You know, making making pop music, you know, legit pop music, but with, you know, some gravitas yeah. to it. That important to you, kind of to make songs that have some weight, that have a message? Yeah. You know, if I'm given a platform to say something, I might as well say something that is important and that's worth saying. I would never want to waste... The, the blessing that I've been given to just like say something that doesn't make any sense or that's not true to me. And, and I'm not saying that I'm going to be making preachy songs for the rest of my life and I'm not always going to make a statement. Um, sometimes I'll just make songs about what I'm feeling. But as long as they're honest to me and as long as I'm, I feel like I'm putting out a good message and making people feel like they're not alone, then I'm doing my job properly. Um, and I, mean, I guess there is no proper way to do it. But the way that I would feel most fulfilled is if I'm speaking for people who don't always have a voice hmm. um, because a lot of us don't. And so if I have a voice and if someone up there or whoever decided to give me a voice, I might mm. as well use it um, for other people as well. Yeah. So we, we were talking upstairs briefly. I asked you if you had you know, started thinking about record number two. Yeah. And don't take this the wrong way. So uh -huh. you wrote record number one. Uh -huh. You know, basically it was written by someone who had not at that point been touched by celebrity. Let's yes. say. Yeah, true. Now, you know, here you are X number of months or a year later, and you're thinking about writing record number two, and a lot of things have changed mm. in your life. And I'm wondering, is it going to be different for you to sit down and try and make a record now that you've had this experience? I think, yeah, it's going to be, I think it'll be pretty different, you know, because in this space of a year and a half, I've sort of been feeling things that I've never felt before and I don't even know in like again I think I find myself doing the thing that the people do is like what box do I put this in what feeling do I put this in and I'm, I'm having kind of an interesting time putting those feelings into words and figuring out what it is that I'm feeling and how I can describe it um this industry kind of forces you to grow up very quickly and I've had to become very responsible and it's challenging. I think, you know, I'm a, the same person that was from album one that's put in a completely different situation. So tons of new feelings are going to rise from that. Um, so it, it's kind of an interesting sort of thing creatively to, to figure out how to not only keep it relatable because, you know, not everyone gets to experience this. So how can I just right. make an album talking about you know, doing this for a living. Like it's not, so I think again, because I'm, I still feel like I'm very much the same person that was just placed in a different situation. People are bound to relate to it because we all sometimes feel isolated. We all sometimes feel scared or excited, of course, happy and a very normal feelings are coming out of my abnormal situation. I'm just figuring out how to say them and how to yeah. turn them into music. Yeah. You've had the chance obviously to work, you know, with, People like Sebastian Cole. Mm. You've had the chance to watch people like Chris Martin yeah. kind of do what they do, and I, and I'm wondering what you've learned in the process. I've learned so many things, honestly. Whether it was just you know how to make a song, and you know just as early as Sebastian, like just watching him not only, of course, work on my stuff with me, but work on his own stuff, and he's just he's just so talented. And so that side of things, he just helped me figure out just through watching him I just absorbed so much and he taught yeah. me how to make songs and then of course watching people like Chris Martin just seeing how to take those songs and throw them at the audience and, and connect with them and, and make you know every single person in that giant stadium feel like they're the only one there just I think through observing I, I've learned so much about what it means to be a creator and what it means to take those creations and, and 
put them out into the world and, and doing it in the right way so that people can really just feel like like you're with them and that they're with you you know mm -hmm. so i'm i'm just i'm just really lucky that i get to sit back and watch all these people and like absorb and i'm so young so I have I have a lot of room to, of course, make mistakes, but I also have a lot of room to learn. So very lucky. So fair warning. We're going to ask for a couple of questions from the house here in, in just a minute. But we talked earlier about um, Amy Winehouse. Yes. And, and her kind of influence on you. What was it about her that moved you? Uh, so many different things, honestly. Again, going back to what I said about her just being able to sit there and and move people with just her voice or with her guitar um and i think another thing i loved about her or still love about her excuse me is that she was just so unapologetically herself and real yeah. and no matter what she said and if you listen to her songs a lot of them are all of them are like very unfiltered very real and and a lot of them she talks about you know doing things like cheating and and her being at fault but she wasn't afraid to fail and she wasn't afraid to admit when she was being human and I think that's that's something that is not always around or not always present especially in the music industry or in the media entertainment side of things and so it's just really refreshing to have artists like her who just really said it how it was and and was unafraid and unapologetically hmm. herself what what are what other artists you um, know, have moved you I was really big on still I'm really big on like uh Lauren Hill the Fugees uh -huh. uh -huh. the Black Eyed Peas yeah um who else? Pink. Uh -huh. um, I really love Rihanna because if you look at Rihanna, yeah, she's amazing. She just like, again, so unapologetically herself. She doesn't care. She is who she is and she kills it. And it's awesome. So it's really nice to see competent women just doing yeah. what they do. Yeah. And and you, you say that. Um, um, and we talked a little bit about, you know, putting out positive messages. And I'm wondering, even at a young age, do you see yourself as a role model? I mean... I don't necessarily see myself as one because I'm, you know, probably a lot younger than a lot of the people who listen to my music anyway. So if anything, they could probably teach me about life. But, you know, at the same time, if people see me as a role model and if people see me as someone that they connect to and that's someone who can help give them advice through my music, then, I mean, it's, it's on you if you want to take it or not. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying this is what I think I've learned in these 20 years of living. And if you think that, that it's right and if you think it's helped you, then I'm, I'm happy to, to be a role model, I guess. You got to perform, uh, spend a little time perhaps with Taylor Swift. Yeah. And, you know, she has a remarkable relationship with her fans and, mm. and her audience built up over over years. But But yeah. she really does have this kind of unique relationship with a you know very large kind of worldwide audience is that something you aspire to is kind of building that ongoing relationship with fans yeah absolutely and i think the reason why her fans have stayed with her all this time again is because she's one of those people who just put out honest music and um people don't ever forget that and people don't ever lose that connection once you make it with them and she's always been so so great at just being honest and real with with her fans and with her music and if that's something i can do that'd be that would be awesome because i'd rather have fans for that reason for the right reasons than yeah. just because i have a catchy song or i wear cool clothes or whatever because i definitely don't these are like really old <laughs> um you made a very difficult decision uh you know to you were at a fork in the road it's like music college and you decided to go with music. A scary road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you actually said was was kind of, you went with your gut. Yeah. For me, it wasn't scary. It, I mean, well, not that it wasn't scary. It was easy for me to say, 
this is what I want to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you, what other, have you made other gut level decisions, you know, since then where, you, where, you know, maybe it wasn't necessarily the, uh, would have been considered the right way to go, but you went with your gut. Yeah, all the time, pretty much. I mean, because uh -huh. if you think, if you make decisions with your brain, it might fail you. If you make decisions with your heart, it might fail you. But if you make decisions with your gut, it like I would say, I don't think it ever fails you. If you really know deep down what the right thing is. And I mean, sometimes it's not about like predicting the future. It's just about what feels right for you and mm. what you know is going to make you the most comfortable. Yeah. So every decision I make, even if it's a small one or something as big as like what single should I put out or what should go on the album or what album yeah. should I put out or, you know, I think it's always important to go with your gut. So honestly, every decision I made from all the singles I put out, everything I put on the album, everything has just always been just what feels right mm. in my gut. Yeah. So um, we'd like to take a question or two from, yeah. from the assembled throng here. Yes, right here. Yes. Yeah. Jingle yeah. Ball, December Jingle 2nd. Ball. Yes. Yeah. The question was, are you excited to see any other artists? Absolutely, yeah. I, I uh, got to do Jingle Ball last year, uh -huh. and I got to see all these other artists play like almost every day, so I would go out and just watch them. And it was cool. It's like you're touring. You literally are touring with a bunch of other people, and a lot of the art artists this year are some of my favorites, so I'm excited to see Who's who? Who? Like, name name one. There are a bunch. Like, okay, who? I'm into... I'm into Tovlo, I'm into Ariana Grande, I'm into Justin Bieber. Uh -huh. Every honestly, everyone that's I think Bruno Mars is also playing a couple and he's like incredible. I'm into Bruno Mars. Everyone that's honestly playing is really great right now. So Yes, right here. Um, going back to like how you see yourself as a role model, like with Scarf being your new single and stuff like that, like obviously a lot more like women and girls look up to you, but like how do you manage to like stay so humble? Like and how do you like kind of Away from not getting that mentality of being oh, thank you. Uh, so the question for those who didn't hear, can you guys all hear? How do you, how do you oh, maintain sorry. kind of your your even keel? Um, I, I think for me, I mean, of course, the one thing I know as cliche as it sounds, keep the right people around you 100% because it's just it's so important in this in this world of music. But also for me, I honestly have, have never been interested in fame or that side of things. I actually get scared of it. I don't enjoy the attention when it's not on the music. And so I try to just stray away from it as much as possible. And it, it's just easy for me to not get a big head about it because it's not something that I want. So I'm just like, no, just only on the music, please. Like nothing about, you know what I mean? So I'm always like staying away from that stuff. In the back. Working with Troy Savon, who, by the way, amazing. we've had here. He's amazing. I know. I heard. He's yeah. so he's so awesome. I love him. He um, it was amazing. He is one of my favorite artists, and the song "Wild," the one that I fortunately got to be on, which is amazing. Um, that's one of my favorite songs off his album, and I made that very clear to him a million times. And so he just texted me one day, and he's like, "If I send you the instrumental, do you want to like write a verse for it and be on it?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." So I did. It was, it was <laughs> okay. the easiest decision I ever made. So we got we got time for one more. Yes, sir, right there. So I just wanted to ask, um, what's the jewel of your record? Like, what's the one song that you're really proud of, of writing and making that really kind of just touched you, but also you're really proud of to kind of put out, to, you know, for everyone else to hear that, that song actually touches people's lives? The one that stands out. The one that stands out. Very good shortening. <laughs> um, good question. I, I think for me, I mean, I'm proud of all the songs, but I think for me, the one that's always kind of close to my heart for a couple reasons is Four Pink Walls. First of all, because it was the first song that I 
ever really wrote by myself completely without anyone. And, and that was really important for me to do because again, just coming from someone who's never made music to you know learning from Sebastian and just seeing him work and stuff, I just really wanted to be like, okay, I'm gonna try this on my own. And I did and it was it was on the album and I was really proud of it. And I think also what I'm talking about, I'm, I'm basically talking about you know starting off life in my four pink bedroom walls, staring at those same walls and aspiring you know to do all these things and aspiring to be all these different things and just having that doubt in the back of my mind that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so now the fact that I am doing it, there's such a big contrast between my life then and now. And that's what the song is about. It's about that feeling of wanting to know outside of or, or explore outside of what you're used to. So I'm just proud of, of being able to make that song because it shows that I've come a long way. And again, because I wrote it all by myself. So last question. So speaking of Four Pink Walls, there's, there's, there's a song on there and there's a line mm. That says, I thought the only place for my dreams was in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> and now, as you look at what's happened to you, when you think about that line, how do you, how do you feel? It's crazy. I, I do. I mean, I'm, I think I'm taking a line. I'm stealing a line from my dad because he always says that it's, he has this famous line where it's like, it feels like a dream. I'm still waiting to wake up. So <laughs> that's like, it really just still feels like I'm in that dream. It, it's mm. very, you know, and... I guess it's weird to imagine or to think about the fact that I'm really living this stuff because I've lived all of this stuff in my head so many times growing up. Like, I've been here before. I, I know how this works in my brain because I've imagined it so many times. So it's crazy to think that this time it's actually really happening to me. It's hard to differentiate. Dif can't say that word. I'm differentiate. Differentiate, sorry, between the, the reality and, and, and what was just in my head. So it's crazy that I'm actually living it. It's very... Surreal. Well, it isn't surreal for us that you actually came and, and, and hung out for a while. We're so pleased Thank that you. you took the time. Thank um, you. Ladies and gentlemen, Alessia Cara. Thank you. Thank you so much. Following our talk, Alessia won Best New Artist at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards. In her acceptance speech, she talked about the need to provide greater opportunities for aspiring musicians to be heard and supported. I don't think it's often that you hear a young artist discussing a desire to write conscious pop music and not waste anyone's time. And that's your required listening for today. We're coming to you with fresh episodes every Thursday. Keep the conversation going. We're on all the socials at Grammy Museum. If you're coming to Los Angeles, I hope you'll visit us. All the info is at our website, grammymuseum.org. Finally, thanks to the team that brings you required listening. Jason James, Justin Joseph, Jim Canella, Lynn Sheridan, Miranda Moore, Callie Weissman, Len Brown, Michael Rohrbacher, Jason Hoke, Chandler Mays, Nick Stumpf, and everyone at How Stuff Works. Until next time, I'm Scott Goldman. <laughs>